We're in a series on, um, on the Disciple Center introducing it so that uh, we can tell, explain to our friends and family and those who come from a more free church tradition uh, that we haven't dropped off the deep end, we haven't turned into a cult, and we haven't uh, uh, converted to Judaism, <laughs> uh, which commonly from the outside people might think that. Um, but the reality is that the Judeo-Christian faith is deeply rooted in the uh, traditions of Judaism and in the scriptures of Judaism. And uh, the word of God came from Israel, as we saw in our text today, salvation is of the Jews. Um, So, uh, we're at the end of the statement that uh, we have made about the Disciple Center. I'm going to read that. We're in this very last part of the series. Um, And I was going to do the whole thing today, but I'm just going to do a short portion uh, because of time and and I'll conclude next week because there's an enormous amount to cover in this context. The Disciple Center congregation is a relational, liturgical, and multi-denominational gathering of households in community for mutual worship, discipleship, ministry, and reconciliation. We are Judeo-Christian in theology and practice and we function as a private congregation for the purposes of protecting the integrity of our members and to maintain focus on discipleship. Members of the congregation also participate in public ministry beyond the congregation as an extension of congregational ministry and in concert with other congregations, ministry organizations, and fellow believers. We also seek to provide witness to the message of God through our lives and activities by intentional living and explaining the good news found in Jesus to the Jew first and also to all people. Today I'm going to talk, uh, at least introduce the beginning of that last one. Last week we talked about the public ministry. Uh, Today we're going to look at the providing witness to the message of God through our lives and proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus, uh, to the Jew first and also to all people. I'd like you to turn to uh, Romans chapter 1 just so you'll be ready. We're going to hit that in a minute. But I want to talk about the message of God first. The message of God is these scriptures that uh, we have taken from the ark. Uh, We bring them out each week. Uh, The the Torah scroll in Hebrew and the Gospels in Greek because that is the word of God. These Bibles that we have in our hands are translations. And they are faithful representations, but they are not the word of God uh, as they differ based on various translators and and opinions, but the reality is that they tie close, as close as we can in English, to the the Hebrew and Greek texts that were given by God and that have been maintained, both in Judaism and Christianity, in those languages for all of this time. That message of God in the scriptures is about a holy God who is a creator, redeemer, and judge. And that holy God has chosen a holy people, we call them the children of Israel, who under the covenant of God will be a light to the nations through their faith and obedience, and also by their lack of faith and disobedience, and who will ultimately inherit a holy land of promise and the kingdom of heaven brought to earth. Uh, That message of God is what the scriptures is all about. In the context of that story, the holy God, the holy people, and the holy land, the story explains that mankind, all of mankind, including the chosen people, are not capable of keeping their part of the covenant. 
which requires obedience to inherit the blessing. I have to say something here. It's very important. I know you know this, but it's got to be said over and over and over. Because within the church, which has a tendency to ignore the commandments of God, and within Judaism and to some extent Messianic Jews, who in embracing the commandments of God can often get the idea that they can earn salvation by the keeping of the commandments. That has never been the case. That never will be the case. The commandments were never given to bring salvation. They were given for the saved people to be blessed by God. And so the only thing that comes in obedience to the covenants and the commandments is not salvation, but blessing. And what comes in the rejection of the commandments and the disobedience to the commandments is the lack of the blessing. Salvation is by grace through faith. And Paul makes that very clear in Romans that there is a righteousness of faith trusting God that that brings about salvation and there is a righteousness of obeying God that brings blessing. And he says that Israel, ignorant of the righteousness of faith, even though it's told about in the Torah, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. They seek to establish their own righteousness by works of the law. And many Christians by works of Christianity. Uh, And that is simply not the case. So the message of God is that God is gracious, He is merciful, and those who come to Him... He will bring them to salvation. And that salvation is by grace. But having been brought to God, been made a child of God, we are to grow up in Him unto good works which He has foreordained that we should walk in them. That His blessing may reside upon us. Now through the prophets, Moses, all the way through the prophet we read about today, John the baptizer, God, or as my... uh, Rabbi friend John Fisher calls John the Dipper. Um, He calls him John the Big Dipper. Um, God promised that he would fix the problem of Israel's sin and the sin of all mankind and that he would provide atonement for sin, change the mind, heart uh, of the people and place his spirit and his commandments in them. Notice he's not getting rid of his commandments. He's going to place them in there so that they will be able to do them and receive his blessing. But, In order to do this, he has to deal with the flesh, which means he has to send the Messiah to be the atonement for sin. And then there has to be a resurrection because this body of death cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And therefore, we will go through resurrection or we will go through transformation at the second coming so that we have a new body with our inner man now conforming to the commandments of God so that God's glory will be seen in all of his creation. So he said that he would raise the dead, he would uh, reunite all of Israel, gathering them into the land and blessing them through anointed king, Messiah, Christ, from the tribe of Judah and from the line of David, David. And this story includes the mystery that the Gentiles will be included in this salvation and in the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom in heaven, the kingdom of heaven that will come to the earth, restore this earth, and then be seen in the new heaven and the new earth that will come 
in the future. Now, in the midst of that story of God comes the proclamation of the good news, the gospel. And I covered this a few weeks ago, so I'm just going to do this really quick so I can get to the one point I want to make today before we're out of here, right? The good news is not a New Testament concept. The good news is found throughout the Torah, throughout the prophets, and particularly in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah mentions the good news at very strategic points. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What is the good news? The peace of God is now going to enter the entire creation. What is the good news? The good news is that Israel will be changed and brought back into the land. And it will live at peace among its neighbors. And all that God has promised will be seen through them. What is the good news? That even the Gentiles will see that the God of Israel is God and that they will come and worship in Jerusalem and the word of the Lord will come from Zion and from Jerusalem. And so that, that gospel that we see in the, what we call the gospels is really uh, a message to Israel. And it, that message includes we Gentiles. It's not a message to the Gentiles. It's a message to Israel. And it includes us in that message. And so to evangelize is to tell the good news found in Jesus that the kingdom of God is near. And that because Jesus came from God and he died and was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. According to the the not the New Testament scriptures, but according to the what we call the Old Testament scripture, because at that time the New Testament hadn't been written, but he died according to the scriptures, and he was buried according to the scriptures, and he rose according to those scriptures, so that the sins of Jacob, or the sins of Israel, and the whole human race from Adam can enter into the restored kingdom promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that all that God promised through the prophets can now be accomplished, and the salvation of the Lord will come to those who call on Him in repentance. So, evangelism actually focuses first on those who believe, not on the unbeliever. But it goes to the unbeliever in terms of the biblical text. And so, Paul makes this clear when he tries to explain it in the book of Romans, which somehow we've turned into the Roman road, and and in doing so, we just take a few steps and we ignore the the context of that. So I want you to look at something Paul says right from the beginning. Romans chapter 1, verse 15 to 17. In Romans chapter 1, verse 15 to 17, when he is talking about wanting to bring to them the gospel. He says, So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Who's he talking to? Believers. I'm going to preach the good news to you believers. 
Well, why are you preaching the good news to believers? Because the good news isn't Jesus died and rose again. They already know that. That's included in the gospel. But the gospel is the kingdom is at hand. And all that the prophets have said and all that Jesus taught is about to happen. And so your job is to come out of the world, come onto the path of salvation, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And you are to be discipled and grow up in him into the body and the community of the Messiah so that as we move into the kingdom of God in its fullness, you will be prepared. Not on layaway, like many Christians who just say the magic words and then wait for the rapture. So he says, I'm going to preach that gospel to you who are in Rome because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. Not, Not the salvation of the individual, the whole salvation of God. And the salvation of God is to fix the creation that got cursed when man sinned and got damaged when man spread over all of it. And God's going to restore the whole creation and he's going to restore his name in all the earth. And he's going to restore his unique creation, which is man, who is both part of this creation and the breath of God. That's, that's a big salvation. And to reduce that down to just, is you is or is you ain't God's baby, is to kind of cheapen it. It's the power of salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God, this is the righteousness of faith, is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. He trusts God enough that he will do what God says. We can't do that in our sinful state, but we will do that in the kingdom that is to come. Now, this gospel, Paul says, is to the Jew first. Now, there's two ways to interpret that. One is to interpret it, it is to the Jew first in terms of order. Okay, We're going to tell the Jews, then we're going to tell everybody. We told the Jews, we're done with that, now we'll go on to that. And to a large extent, uh, Christian missions has done that. We have a story to tell to the nations, right? Uh, and, and, and Paul's approach to missions was not to tell the nations. It was to tell the Jews, and in the context of telling the Jews, to tell the nations. Uh, And the reason for that is that when the gospel came in the person of Jesus, it came almost, not completely, but almost exclusively to the Jews. And that's why the scriptures seem to almost make it sound like it's to the Jew only. It doesn't say that, but it sounds like that if you read it. And that's why often we don't use the gospel to tell the Gospels. We use the epistles of Paul to tell the Gospels. So I want to use one of the Gospels. We'll use the first one, Matthew. And we're going to look at three passages real quick. Matthew chapter 3, 1 to 12. And I'm going to let you read these For yourself, um, so that I'm just going to uh, refer to them here. Uh, Matthew chapter 3 is the passage that we looked at earlier in the epiphany part of the service, where John the Baptist comes, and his message is to Israel. And his message to them is that they are to uh, uh, prepare for the kingdom that had been promised. 
and that they were not to just claim Abrahamic ancestry, but they had to be in anticipation of the Messiah who was to come. And so this message of John the Baptist was to Israel. Now, there were Gentiles who may have heard John's message, but for the most part, John didn't speak to Gentiles. Then I want you to look at Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 21, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman, this is a Gentile, from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. And he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and said, Send her away, because she keeps shouting us at us. And he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done to you as you wish. And her daughter at once was healed. Now, a lot of times we don't get what this is about. We think the woman is just clever. She's not clever. She knows the scriptures. She called him son of David. She knew he was the Messiah. Even though she's a Gentile. And she wants what the Messiah will do. Isaiah said that the Messiah will heal the sick. He will raise the dead. He will feed the poor. And he will proclaim the gospel to the people. And the acceptable year of the Lord. And so she says, son of David, you're here. Let's have it. And he says, my coming now is to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And it's not right for me to take what is for Israel and give it to dogs. Dogs is a term for unbeliever. But he's using the, the, the idea of the children and the dogs. And she says, I know, Lord, but the Gentiles are included. Abraham was told, in you all the nations, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And Jesus goes, she gets it. She's of the kingdom. She is one drawn by the Spirit, taught of God, who has come to me and knows who I am. It's done unto you. I haven't found this kind of faith even in Israel. And so she is a pattern that while it is focused on the Jew first, it includes us. The disciples don't always get this. Then Acts chapter 15. Oh, that was 15, sorry. Uh, Acts chapter 10. I did these in reverse order, but it won't matter. Did I do... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping into next week's message. Matthew 10. In Acts, I do 10 and 15 too, and so it threw me off. This is Jesus sending his disciples out. He says to them in verses 5 and 6, 
Uh, the twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and don't even go to the city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and say to them, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. All of that that he is saying is a quote from Isaiah. And he tells them to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Not even to go to the Samaritans who are half Jew, half Gentile. But as we read earlier this morning, Jesus goes through Samaria and meets a woman at the well. And she says, where do we worship? We build a temple that's just like yours uh, on Mount Gerizim. You've got the temple in, in Jerusalem, uh, which is, he says, salvation is of the Jews. But I want you to know that this is going to go beyond Israel. Because the bread of heaven has come down. So there are, there are pictures that this is going to go not just to Israel, but it's going to go to all of us. Now, uh, in Acts, and I'm just going to refer to these this week so that we can really address them more in detail next week. Uh, you know the story. Uh, Peter is up on the roof. That, that's the patio in those days. And he sees a, a sheet let down. And there's all kinds of trafe on it. There's lobster and crab and, and unclean animals, probably a ham sandwich, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and he hears, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Probably wouldn't have been a sandwich, just be a pig, right? Uh, kill and eat. And he says, Lord, I have never eaten that. I'm an observant Jew. And he doesn't know what that's about. So he goes back. There's another vision. The same thing. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. I'm an observant Jew. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. I'm an observant Jew. I've never eaten that stuff. Don't call unclean what God cleanses. Peter's trying to figure this out. And then there's a knock at the door. And there's a bunch of Italians down there. From the house of Cornelius. Gentiles. And they say, we had a vision that said to come and find Simon at, at, uh, uh, and have him come and speak to us. And the Spirit tells Peter, go with these guys. So Peter's still trying to figure out, what is this vision? Now, Christians say, it's God saying, you can eat anything you want. That's not, that's not what it is. Uh, the Scripture tells us what the interpretation is. He gets there and he's speaking to them. They say, tell us what's been going on with you guys. And he says, okay, I'll tell you. We, we uh, spent time with this Yeshua of Nazareth. And he raised the dead and he healed the sick and he fed the multitudes and he was crucified and we thought it was over. And then he rose from the dead and he taught us of the kingdom of God and he ascended into heaven and we're waiting for him to return and come back. And while Peter is telling the story of Israel and God's salvation of Israel, the Holy Spirit falls on them and they have a little Pentecost. They're speaking the glory of God in multiple languages and all of this stuff coming out of the Psalms. And Peter goes, Gentiles? The Holy Spirit is in Goys? How is that? And then he goes, oh, I get what the vision is. It wasn't about food. It was about people. I'm not to call any person unclean whom the Father has received. And the Father has received Gentiles. 
So Peter goes back to the, the apostles and they say, what the heck are you doing going to a Gentile's house? And he says, well, I had a vision. God told me to go. And then while I'm talking, boom, the Holy Spirit fell down. So what could I do? I baptized them. And the scripture says they rejoiced that some Gentiles were going to make it. Now, you know the rest of the story. God calls the apostle Paul and tells Paul he's going to be a vessel to the Gentile. Peter is not the Pope. Peter is the apostle to the circumcision, according to the scriptures. And Paul is the apostle to the uncircumcised, to the Gentiles. And so Paul goes out in the, away from Jerusalem and away from that. He starts preaching in all the diaspora. He's telling the diaspora Jews the Messiah is coming or coming back. And the Gentiles are going, tell us about this Messiah. And he's having quite a bit of success with these Gentiles. They're believing in this Messiah and the kingdom to come. And so what happens is pretty soon a lot of Gentiles are going. And so a group comes down from James from Jerusalem and says, Yeah, you have to circumcise those guys. Can't have all these Gentiles. Got to turn them into Jews. So they have a big confab, Acts 15, and they decide that's not true. There are commandments that the Gentiles are supposed to follow. But there are commandments that the Gentiles don't follow because we have to maintain a distinction between Jew and Gentile. Not a wall of separation, a distinction like husband and wife. The two become one, echad, but they are different. Because if they're the same, they're not one. one unity is diversity coming together. Jew and Gentile in one body is what God is after. Just like a man and a woman in marriage is what God is after in a, in a Jewish or Christian marriage. And so the idea there is that all of a sudden all these Gentiles are there and they rejoice now. They finally get it that not only is the gospel to the Jew, but it's going to include the Gentiles. Now where did I get that crazy idea? And that will bring us to... My final text, because everything else I have to talk about next week. Ephesians chapter 3. I'd like you to look at that. Now, if you've read the book of Ephesians, you know in the first book, in the first chapter, Paul keeps using the term us and we. And when he does that, if you look at the context carefully, he's talking about Jews who first believed in Jesus. And in the second chapter, he says, uh, you Gentiles were like us and you are now brought together with us. And so in chapter 3 then, beginning at verse 1, he's going to explain that people didn't get this. The apostles didn't get this. But it's now understood because Paul understood the mystery of the gospel. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. He's talking about the mystery in Christ. He's now going to explain what it is. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of the Messiah, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit, which is exactly what happened to Peter. 
Because when this happened, Peter then, oh, remember what happened at Cornelius' house? To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise. What promise? The promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The restoration of the kingdom. Sitting down in the kingdom when the kingdom comes and, 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 and being a steward of all that God has done. Uh, through the good news, through the gospel, of which I am made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. To me, the least of the saints, His grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unobtainable, if you will, riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, that he's going to save all things. He's going to restore his creation, including mankind. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. In other words, God is doing this not for our visualization, but for the angels of God who are looking down on these things, trying to figure it out. The scripture says the angels seek to understand this stuff because they'll know God better in seeing his salvation of all of us. And then he concludes with, this was according to his eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gospel is bigger than we've made it. And we can't reduce it down to a formula We have to see it in its broadest context. We are calling people, inviting people, and telling people that the kingdom is at hand. And that they are coming into the kingdom and they are going to grow up in him to become part of that kingdom. It's not about when you die, you get to go to heaven. Now, if you die, you get to go to heaven. But our goal is not heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven on earth and ultimately the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem that comes out of heaven to the new earth. And most of that we have lost. And so it's important that we give testimony and witness to the whole gospel, to the full gospel in that sense, uh, rather than just a little small check here. Now you have eternal life. Here's your new birth certificate. I'll see you at the rapture. There's more to tell people. And how do we witness to that? And how do we express that to the Jew first and also to the Gentile? We're going to talk about next week. So, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for the gospel. The good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that you are about to bring your kingdom to fullness in your creation. And we will see the full restoration of all that the prophets promised. But more than that, we will see a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. Wherein dwells all righteousness. And there will be no death. And there will be no sickness. uh, And there will be nothing that does evil in that creation. And we will enjoy you forever with no temple. Because you will dwell with us directly. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.